it's in line thing for the food bank. Like I get, so I walk from the Tenderloin and I walk by the food bank where there's a line around the corner, like there always is. And nobody's keeping six foot distance. Everyone's just there. Lots and lots of people. And then I continue walking because I, I walk here from the Tenderloin now so as not to use public transportation. If I am possibly a vector, I'm trying to not be. Not taking the bus, walking all the way here. It's great. It was a beautiful day. It's only like two and a half miles. It's no big deal. Don't like give me the sash or anything. Like, oh, look at you walking. So anyways, I walked by Gus's on 17th and everyone has six feet distance and there's a security guard out front and it's it's just funny that nothing has changed in the tenderloin due to COVID-19 and all old people on the street supposedly the people who are most at risk are old people with other complications I would say that living on the street is sort of a complication I don't know girl I'm a crazy whoa I'm nuts good coffee hey everybody still open here on 21st street uh, coffee shop Wilson purveyor there amazing tasty beverages and amazing pastries by the way his wife makes some killer puff pastry croissant anyways free shout out for them this is the AltaCast again high noon I made these great cookies this week and I am feeling them peanut butter chocolate base with the triple chocolate chip white dark and oh Everybody be safe. That's the other question. Am I hearing more sirens because things are quieter or are there more siren activities happening? I don't know. I also on my way here, I saw seven cop cars speeding very fast. Um, big lights, big sirens. So something's going on, everybody. I read also on the way here, looking at the Chronicle just through the glass, you know. Tightening, tightening in place residents, tightening. <sighs> that was a Roman Reimer sigh. Shout out to Roman Reimer. Fridays, the weekly review, giving real news. Unlike me on the AltaCast with all of my fake news. Absolutely fake news. I am super fake. I'm wearing lip liner today, so I'm wicked fake. Okay, let's see. Call me LaToya, please, for the love of God. Uh, a lovely picture of Pence on the front. Pence plays dumb. I don't believe Trump downplayed the coronavirus. Now they're calling it the C-virus. I think they're calling it the C-virus because it starts with a C and they like to put the word Chinese in front of it because that's <sighs> hyperbolic and racist. Here we've got get sick or starve. How, did how a deep cleaner is surviving the pandemic. Getting accurate census count is vital. First, Muslim Americans need to trust it's safe. Oh, dear Lord. I'm just reading the headlines. Trump said coronavirus would miraculously be gone by April. Well, it's April. I'm going to read this one. This is from the HuffPost. Trump said coronavirus would be miraculously gone by April. Well, it's April. More than 3,000 people have died in the United States from COVID-19 and expected to get far worse. President Donald Trump thinks he's doing a fabulous job getting the country through the coronavirus crisis. He's more than happy to boast about it. Oh, I get to do my voice. One of the things I did is I closed down the borders to China and to other areas that are very badly affected 
and really having a lot of troubles. I closed them down very early, against the advice of almost everybody. And we've been given rave reviews. March 6th. No, I'm not concerned at all. No, I'm not. No, we've done a great job. March 7th. Our team is doing a great job with coronavirus. March 11th. I'm going to assume that's a tweet because it has an uh, exclamation. I'd waited. Our response. A 10. I think we've done a great job. March 16th. My administration has done a, a job on really working across government and with the private sector. And it's been incredible. It's a beautiful thing to watch, I have to say. March 29th. God, he didn't even say anything. It, It's so hurtful. I feel like such a dick because when George W. Bush was in office in the thousands and I wore black when he was reelected for a second term, I wore black for a month and, you know, in mourning for our country and I was just saying that, you know, the death of critical thought and, and just what a dummy he is. But he was so super smart compared <laughs> to what we got going on. It's tremendous. It's great. It's like... Concrete, specific detail is what we kind of need. And the word great, I mean, if I was giving President Trump like a writing workshop, and obviously nobody is writing his script. Where are the script writers? Where are the people that went to school for this shit? Like political science and shit? Like the smart people? Where are they writing the, um, the speeches and letting him out? Who's letting him out of the cage without a script? Christ! Right? I mean... So would get this man a scriptwriter. Anyway, if I was doing a poetry workshop with the president, I would say, you know, you're just not being specific enough with your modifiers, right? Great. And your verbs. Your verbs are lax. Has done a job. My administration has done a job on really working across government. Whoa. Like, okay. Back to the article. I'm sorry. A little bit of... Co Pam commentary there for you. But Trump spent weeks, if not months, downplaying the seriousness of the virus while pushing his political agendas of boosting his own brand and trying to shut down U.S. borders. In fact, the president really didn't want to do much of anything about the virus. He tried to assure people that it would be gone by April. Nothing to see here. On February 10th, he repeated, repeatedly predicted at a meeting with governors at a campaign rally and at a Fox Business interview that the coronavirus would no longer be a problem by April. And then he made this claim at least three more times a few days later. Oh, I get to do his voice again. <clears throat> okay. Now that the, now the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat and the heat comes in. Typically that will go away in April. We're in great shape though. We have 12 cases, 11 cases. And many of them are in good shape now. Oh my God, what is that even? Let me try to read that again. Now, the virus that we're talking about having to do, you know, a lot of people think that goes away in April with the heat. As the heat comes in, typically that will go away in April. What, the heat or the virus? We're in good shape though. We have 12 cases, 11 cases. Many of them are in good shape now. Good, good? Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. That was from February 10th. I really believe they are going to have it under control fairly soon. You know, in April, supposedly it dies with the hotter weather. That's a beautiful date to look forward to, February 10th. 
We think and we hope, based on all signs, that the problem goes away in April, February 13th. There's a theory that in April, when it gets warm, historically, that has been able to kill the virus. We don't know yet. We're not sure yet. February 14th. I think it's going to work out fine. I think when we get into April, the warmer weather, that has a very negative effect on that type of virus. On February 10th, there were 12 confirmed cases of COVID-19, the illness caused by the coronavirus in the United States, according to John Hopkins University. Now there are nearly 200,000. And on Tuesday, the death toll in the U.S. surpassed 3,000, making the virus more deadly than the 9-11 terrorist attacks that reshaped much of American life. Medical experts never agreed with Trump's rosy prediction, but as usual, science didn't stop Trump from saying whatever he wanted. We don't know a lot about this virus. Oh, wait, sorry, that's not, this is a real person's voice, I'm sorry. We don't know a lot about this virus, CDC Director Dr. Rigfeld said on February 13th. This virus is probably with us beyond this season, beyond this year. I think eventually the virus will find a foothold and we will get community-based transmission. Much of the U.S. economy is now shut down as people work from home and practice social distancing in an effort to stop the spread of the virus. Medical experts say it will get worse before it gets better. On Tuesday, the White House said that the best-case scenario, as many as 240,000 Americans, could die from COVID-19. In a best-case scenario? But even amid rising numbers of cases, Trump has continued to insist that everything is going well. As recently as last week, he said he wanted the country opened up and just raring to go by Easter, which is on April 12th. Health experts have warned against easing restrictions too early. During an online COVID-19 briefing last week, Erwin Redliner, director of the National Center for Disaster Preparedness at Columbia University, dismissed Trump's Easter target. I just want to say on behalf of everyone I know in the business that it's literally out of the question, Redliner said. This cannot happen. It should not happen. We actually should be increasing the restrictions for some period of time. A group of more than 800,000 physicians with the Council of Medical Specialty Societies also wrote to the White House urging continued social distancing measures. Federal, state, and local governments should only set a date for lifting nationwide social distancing restrictions consistent with assessments by public health and medical experts, they wrote. Lifting restrictions sooner will gravely jeopardize the health of all Americans and extend the devastation of the COVID-19 pandemic. On Sunday, Trump endorsed extending social distancing guidelines through the end of April, saying his Easter timeline was aspirational. That's a big word for him. At the same press conference, he wondered why hospitals, which usually don't need so many masks and ventilators, are suddenly saying they do. Instead of realizing the need for medical equipment, has jumped exponentially with the spread of the coronavirus, Trump offered a conspiracy theory that the ventilators and masks the hospitals are asking for might be, quote, going out the back door. Yikes! Oh, my goodness. So this is crazy. On Tuesday, the White House said that it, in a best-case scenario, as many two, 240,000 Americans could die of COVID-19. This is crazy. President Trump and physicians advising the federal pandemic response on Tuesday delivered a bleak outlook for the novel coronavirus spread across the country, predicting a best-case scenario of 100 to 240,000 fatalities in the United States and summoning all Americans to make additional sacrifices to slow the spread. 
Trump adopted a newly somber and sedate tone and contradicted many of his own previous assessments of the virus as he instructed Americans to continue social distancing, school closures, and other mitigation efforts for an additional 30 days to think of the choices as they make as a matters of life and death. Trump and his coronavirus task force members said the community mitigation practices in place for the last 15 days have worked and that extending them is essential. The mathematical modeling the White House presented suggests doing so could save hundreds of thousands of lives. Without community mitigation, the model predicts 1.5 million to 2.2 million could die of COVID-19. What in the whole world? Uh, the disease of the virus causes though no time frames or other details were provided for the figures. That's panic-inducing. Our country is in the midst of a great national trial unlike any it has ever faced before, Trump said at an early evening news conference. He went on to call every citizen to make sacrifices and every business to fulfill its patriotic duty to brace for even tougher days ahead. This is going to be very... This is... This is going to be a very painful, very, very painful two weeks. Okay, I hate to get back to the poetry thing, but... Every Calvin Coolidge, at one of our ex-presidents, said every word weighs a ton. Every word that you tell the American people should mean, if it's not adding, then it's taking away. Remember Barack Obama? Remember what a great speech writer, talker, everything he was? What would he do? That man was smart. This is going to be a very painful, very, very painful two weeks. All right. He used 14 words and Three were the same and two were the same. It's going to be a very, very, very and painful, painful. Yeah? Every word weighs a ton, huh, President? Sometime after April, he added, the country could transition back to normal with businesses reopening and people returning to work. It's going to be like a burst of light, I really think and hope. Trump said, our strength will be tested and our endurance will be tried, but America will answer with love and courage and an ironclad resolve. Okay, there's the motherfucking speechwriter. Thank you. Thank you, speechwriters. Obviously, he says, this is going to be a very painful, very, very painful two weeks. And then cool, great scriptwriter says, it's going to be like a burst of light. I really think, and I hope, I think he added those things. He could have just said, it's going to be like a burst of light. Our strength will be tested. Our endurance will be tried. But America will answer with love and courage and ironclad resolve. You ruined it by putting in your own fucking thoughts, you dumb fuck. I really think and I hope. The speech, can you trust the people around you and fucking listen to them? God, I'm so pissed at that guy. <laughs> Sorry, no socialist rants yet. Not yet. We'll wait until LaToya calls in. LaToya, call me. I'm going to rant about LaToya not calling me. Here we are at Mutiny Radio. I'm trying to get my shit together. Well, bleak, bleak, everybody. Very bleak. like the word bleak. I'd like if our president could use words like bleak. That'd be better. All right. Let's go back. More HuffPost. Um... What else do we want to... Featured. Uh, she begged for mercy. Utility cut her elderly parents' power anyway. Jeez. Why we waited so long to take the coronavirus seriously. A psychologist explains why people spilled 
onto bar patios when they should have been inside. <laughs> oh, you mean, like, hey, I was there the last night, the last night of, uh, the last night of Ireland's 32, I was there. That was a lot of fun. I mean, we had to get our last stage time. I was so happy that I got in two shows on that, three shows on that Saturday previous. Sunday, Monday, everything shut down. But, um, but that weekend, I had a really good time. And I'm sorry if I, I hey, I'm not showing symptoms. I hope I'm not a vector. Um, I don't want old people to die. But, I mean, everyone in the Tenderloin is outside sitting together because they don't have anywhere to be inside. And nothing has changed for large portion of are they are they Americans I, what are we gonna decide here in the upcoming I'm worried about once they figure out some test and they test everyone and then they like put us in weird places and uh, ah, FEMA camps oh don't FEMA camp me someone is driving up but I don't think they're here for me okay one of the most frustrating aspects of the coronavirus outbreak is that Fewer people would be dead now if we had taken the pandemic seriously a month ago. Oh, that's you're calling me out. Instead, as the weather turned nice and scientists were calling for self-quarantines, Americans spilled onto bar patios, beaches, and boarded flights for vacations. Some people insisted on commuting to work, and in New York, the virus's biggest U.S. playground, people were still going to speakeasies and hosting potlucks. Even the president sp spent weeks insisting the virus would disappear shortly and that America would go back to business as usual. Look out your window right now or go to a park and you'll see that many people still aren't staying the recommended six feet apart. While it's infuriating to know that people are still congregating on their stoops for neighborhood happy hours while elsewhere dead bodies are being loaded onto refrigerator trucks, this behavior is also human nature. Wow. That's some hyperbolic language. Dead bodies are being loaded onto refrigerator trucks. Well, doesn't that happen every day all the time? But I guess more so now. I'm gonna click on that being loaded. No, it's going somewhere scary. Okay, so why were Americans so slow to grasp the scale of this outbreak? We talked to Steven Taylor, a professor and clinical psychologist at the University of British Columbia about the science behind this kind of denial. HuffPost. You recently published a perfectly timed book called The Psychology of Pandemics that looks at how people respond to outbreaks. Were you surprised by the fact that Americans didn't really begin to socially isolate until the coronavirus had already killed hundreds of people? Steven Taylor. No, I wasn't surprised at all. Many people have what's called an unrealistic optimism bias. It's a tendency to underplay threats and see yourself as being more impervious than the average person. To many people, the coronavirus seemed like a disease that was in another country. People were not seeing it in their communities. People were being reactive rather than proactive, wanting it to be overblown, wanting things to be okay. People's reaction boiled down to their worldviews. How dangerous do you think the world is? How much control do you think you have in your life? How much do you think something comes from foreigners versus your own community? These are all very interesting questions. Is there some kind of advantage to having an optimism bias or being in denial about some big crises? People want to be in control of things. Th this bias allows people to go about their daily lives without experiencing anxiety. It gets away from being 
consumed with the existential dread of fearing for our lives. <laughs> I have that all the time. <laughs> consumed with existential dread of fearing for our lives. Like every fucking day, bro. When you run experiments, the people who predicted things most accurately under some circumstances are mildly depressed. It's called depressive realism. Denial can be adaptive in the face of an unavoidable, uncontrollable threat to one's existence. However, denial also comes with obvious shortcomings. If you believe that you're impervious to COVID-19 and you go out and party on the beach, you're going to actively contribute to the spread of infection. It can have catastrophic consequences. The idea that we'll let the economy, the idea that we'll let the economy go on, this virus will burn itself out and will carry on as before, could lead to countless deaths. It seems like many people only begin to take the coronavirus seriously when they know someone who's infected. Why is that? I encountered a really good example of this recently. A guy I know had been downplaying the whole thing. He wasn't social distancing or doing anything like that. But when a friend of his suddenly died in New York, his optimism bias was shattered. The crisis suddenly got brought home to him in very vivid, personal way that the statistics or news reports couldn't do. That changes behavior a lot. Humans aren't very good at predicting or assessing risk. We tend to look at our emotional reactions to judge how likely a threat is. People aren't going to social distance if they see the virus is not their problem. But when they suddenly realize, oh, I'm at risk for giving the disease to my grandmother who could die from that, it can bring it home for them. Is there any evolutionary explanation for, oh gosh, oh I hope it's, oh I hope it's, I hope it's Latoya. Latoya, is it you? Yes, it is. Yay! Yay! I was just reading this crazy thing about a psychologist who says why people aren't practicing social distancing or like keeping being safe or believing in the coronavirus and all that stuff. Oh my goodness. Oh God, because people are idiots. I, I don't, how are you doing? I haven't talked to you in a while. I know, it's been a minute. I'm fine. I'm actually appreciating this moment because to me what it says, it's, it's just telling me how the government has failed. I'm detoxing. Um, basically, basically I, I, I think this is just a moment in time where it's just like everyone as Americans need to slow down, <laughs> you know. And then also, too, take a look at our infrastructure of how our government has been set up for, like, us to fail. You know, everything has a, a, a trickle-down effect. Like, for example, we can't get enough surgical masks and gloves. Maybe if the, if the corporations didn't take the, you know, manufacturers like so out of the country, Ah. You know, to pay, <gasps> to pay people lower wages, we wouldn't have the, the oh. issue. And... You yeah. just, you just said something that I'd never thought of. Wow! Yeah, if we I hadn't mean, it, moved it, it, all of our mask making to Bangladesh or some shit, like exactly, or it's, there's now, in, in the, the Philippines or. To, wow, we did it to yeah, ourselves. Yeah, the kids are coming home to roost, dude. This is America's wake-up call. I mean, and also too a living wage. So now you have people struggling with the fact of like not only were they not having a living wage now before <laughs> you know you have the fact that the twelve hundred dollars ain't gonna do shit for no. nobody Mm-mm. and 
And then you had Senator Lindsey Graham uh, complaining, because he's a senator, I believe, in North Carolina, saying that $1,200 is too much for his constituents. Oh, dear Lord. I'm like, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, but in San problem. Francisco, in San Francisco, that's one month of my rent. That's not even food. That's And that's cheap for SF. So, like. That's not even uh, average uh, San Francisco's uh, basic rent. Yeah, that's exactly. That's not how. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, so. it, that's 100% of my rent for a month, which is great, and I thank you. And thank God I'm still on food stamps because it's. It's crazy what's happening. There's no, I have, haven't had any income this month. It is so weird. It, it's actually not that weird for me, but because I can live without money. I guess I've been doing it for a while, but there's a lot of people that are losing their fucking minds because they don't. They're losing their minds, uh, jobs, yep. homes, yeah. rel- relatives. Sure. I mean, Everybody's losing everything right do you, now. Do you, you know, know anybody like, affected? Know. Do you know any? Do you know any person with it who's been confirmed or anybody who has symptoms? I no, don't. Thank, I don't know one person God. that doesn't have. Everyone I know. Well, I mean, and I'm not in that contact with that many people, but the, the very few handful of people that I've been around, no one's showing symptoms, and uh, I I don't know. I and so it when I'm reading this thing about this, well, people aren't taking it seriously, but. It's hard for me to take seriously when nobody's sick. And then I watched uh, this. Well, there's not, a lot of people sick. There's where are they? Sick. Like you, uh, you had a 17 year old in Southern California who they refused uh, his uh, the fact that he didn't have health insurance. He ended up dying. Whoa. There was an infant in Illinois. One of the first cases in Illinois was a nurse. There are a lot of people. Girl, you better be on it. I'm looking, there are a lot of but this is the other thing. I've been looking for news, and I feel like it's being bottlenecked, and they're only telling us certain things. Like, for example, there, and the people that are giving like real news from around the country and putting things on YouTube, those things are getting taken off. So I watched this crazy German video, and they were saying that they don't believe in the coronavirus because the guy went to a hospital that's supposedly for all the corona victims, and it was dead. There was no one there. There was nobody there. And so well, in Germany, he was like, where are all the cases? Where are all the people? It's because they practice social distancing. But look at Italy. Right. I mean, the UK. I mean, but I'm then, not going to start conspiracy theory because I, the, the, to me, what's important right now is what's happening. Yes. So I don't care right now. The issue to me about where it came from or if it's man-made – I, that's not an issue to me right now. The issue is the fact of the matter that you do have people infected. Yes. You have people's way of life. I mean, well, not saying that the, uh, you know, the American workers way of life was perfect anyway, but shit, you're seeing the mask of this country being taken off. You see now Amazon uh, workers protesting. Oh, we got to we got to go back because that was a, that was a gorgeous metaphor that the mask of America is being taken off. But they're like, put yeah. on the mask! God damn it! Everybody put on a mask! And it's like at the same time, metaphorically, this mask, this shield oh. that we've been hiding behind, we're starting to see the truth. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you have even so-called Nordic countries calling America a third-world country because mm. it certainly is acting like it. Yes. I mean, when you have to have meat trucks uh, for de- for the departed, that's kind of fucked up. And the fact that we still don't have tests. 
Right. I mean. Well, that's the thing. is, And that's where the, there's no tests. Who knows who has it? Because we don't, that's, that's the weird exactly. thing about the virus is that we all could be infected right now. But if we're not showing symptoms, we're just, you know, carriers of the virus. It's like herpes, That's right? That's scary part. Well, yeah. but it's, it's the same thing. Herpes is a virus. 70% of Americans have herpes. Now, not everybody has cold sh- yeah. sores and shows it, and sometimes they have little cold sores, and sometimes they don't, and they show up in different places, and some people have it in simplex one, and some people have it in simplex two, but it's still a virus, and 70% of us are carriers. So yep. we have viruses all the time that we just carry and deal with, but I guess this... Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, every person that walks in the store, they haven't necessarily washed their hands right before they came in. And if you touch something, it's on that thing or whatever. Like it's, I I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if social distancing is the key to, I I mean, it has to be, I guess, but how safe can we keep a grocery store? Right? Like, (laughs) Right. I mean, we still need them open. But the thing about the grocery store workers is they're not getting the proper, first of all, they're not getting paid enough. Right. I mean, and then on top of that, they're not getting the proper uh, care and, and uh, uh, uniforms in order sure. that, you know, they should be in hazmat suits. People and themselves. They don't have rubber gloves and masks, not right. all of them. Yeah, they should be. I mean, if we're taking it seriously, they should be wearing like hazmat suits with little covers and gloves and to keep them safe from being in contact with everybody. Exactly. It would be interesting to see once this all shakes out, if they can identify vectors and find out what places were the biggest spreading agents, you know, because there's been a lot of, well, they're, they're saying it's, it's Louis, it's Louisiana right now in Florida, New York is still, um, New York's getting just pummeled right now. But you have Florida because that fucking stupid Republican uh, governor decided to let the spring breakers come. And oh, shit. Have spring... Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. Right, exactly. So, and that's, that's so funny because one of my buddies went to a wedding in Miami, and he came back on the 15th. And he was angry at his parents because he's like, why wouldn't you just let me stay in Miami? Like, I could have just stayed and been shelter and residence in fucking Miami. But instead, he came back on the 15th and flew into San Francisco and then sheltered in residence here. But everyone yeah. was everyone was still able to travel to Florida. So, wow. Exactly. And so what happened with a lot of those spring breakers, you know, you if you look it up on YouTube or what have you, you'll have some of these stupid spring breakers say like, "I just want to come here and party. I don't care if Corona does kill me, bro." Oh, you making know, out, shit like that. Oh, they're the super vector. Oh my, see, that's the thing I want to see in the future is like the different little red dots, pins, where they're like, uh, here when there was a party in Miami where this one girl who had it got drunk and made out with everybody, and then those people flew back to New York, and one of them flew back to San Francisco, and then you know it just that that's it would be that actually what I was about to say that's what actually what ended up happening. Oh, the irresponsibility the of children! I love it. I hate it. It's terrible, but still, that's the 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 fact that when those spring breakers left, they. Uh, now they got to find out, like like a lot of them came from different small towns and what have you, or college towns. They ended up spreading it. And so now there's cases, there's even more cases like in Kentucky and Alabama 
in Mississippi, and now uh, Louisiana is getting pounded too. Wow. So the the spring breakers. See, that's the. I want to see big data at the end of all this, and be, and I'm wondering what kind of big data they're going to collect on us, and if at, when they find a test, if they're going to be rounding us up and forcing everyone to take the test, and if we have to, like, if they'll pass laws that say that they can either give us vaccines or force us to take tests without our consent, I could see that kind of shit happening, and that scares me, right? I mean, <gasps> well, I don't care. I, you know what? I don't give a rat's ass because I I don't I don't want to die. Yeah, and fair. there is fact to prove that vaccines work. It, I mean, back polio, measles. Yes. Oh, yes. and then you had the stupid parents recently. Oh no, it creates autism. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, bitch. shut the fuck up. Yeah. How come there ain't no polio, huh? Right. Exactly. Huh? I know polio, polio would be a terrible way to live. It got eradicated. Exactly. Back in the fifties. And now, and then measles got eradicated, and now it made a comeback. Right. So I don't give. Yes, I I will take the anti. I don't take blue sh- flu shots because that's a choice that I make. Right. Me but, too. But and that's a personal choice I make because every time I get take a flu shot, I get sick, and I don't like that. So I just choose not to do it because I don't want to get sick. I don't. I don't care if they make every. I think everyone should take the test. Hmm. I really do. I mean, if you don't want to get the treatment, put them in isolation someplace. But I think everyone should take the test because everyone's immune system is different. That's true. You would be killing people. So fuck that yeah. freedom shit. We lost that. Ain't no, first of all, there's never been freedom here in the first place. Didn't they just want to force all the people to go back to work come April 12th? You know, you have that, all these CEOs that are so desperate now. They're like, oh, don't you want to give up your life for the economy? I mean, seriously, you got crazy pastors and the lieutenant governor in Texas saying that, you know, I would give my life up for this country so we can have a better, stronger economy. So you want me to kill my family for a country that gives two shits about me who Mm. don't know how to play its workers and don't even know how to take care of people or have an adequate health care system. Right. Well, the, the question is, who's important? <laughs> and we always say that. What is the value of human life? What is the, who, are, the, are the people that live in the Tenderloin, are they Americans too? Like if you don't have a house, if you're a poor person, are you an American? Why does America hate poor people so much? And why do we not see people having intrinsic value? And now with this motherfucking disease, you know what's scary? And it's what you always used to say about the crack epidemic is that when it had to do with black people, no one gave a fuck. But then all of a sudden, when there's opiates in everybody's backyard and little white girls are suddenly dying, whoa, whoa, there's an epidemic, there's, a, there's an opiate epidemic. Blah. But it's the same thing with COVID is that it doesn't care if you live in the Tenderloin or if you live in Marin or if you have, if you're the CEO of fucking Google, it doesn't fucking care because it's, it can kill you. So it, it sort well, of, I love, I, I love if there's a little bit of fear that gets into the hearts of the rich people. Like they're like, well, I'm so rich and entitled, nothing can hurt me. And it's like, well, motherfucker, this doesn't discriminate. Exactly. You know what? And the fact of the matter, I've been bringing up the AIDS epidemic. Mm. When people, when people were, you know, that's not going to happen to us. That'll, that's not us. 30, 35 years later, look what we have. Mm. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's just like, you know, 
this is where humanity comes in. And the fact that you have so many people, and now, I mean, you still have these crazy right-wingers who are going around spitting. Like, you have this woman who was coughing on vegetables and destroyed $35,000 worth of produce because she was playing like she had the coronavirus. What? You have, yes, you have this guy who was um, doing a corona challenge online Licking up toilet bowls. Oh my God! I'm not kidding. People Guess are what, stupid. What happened to that guy? He's got he he's got he's got corona. He's in the hospital. It, it really? Another guy in yeah. Another guy in uh, New Jersey uh, was coughing on people. He got arrested for uh, um, assault. Uh, kind of like a, a terroristic act. Sure. Well, I mean, it's it's spitting on someone has always been an assault. Um, but right. I could see during this time of social distancing and coughing, purposely coughing on people, absolutely, that's domestic terrorism. Absolutely. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. Because you have these people out here that it's like, it's a hoax. It's, it's not saying, you know, oh, I got the... People are playing with this like a game. Right. Yeah. It's not a game. It's not a game. We can talk about, we can talk about how it got here and the history of it after we figure what the fuck is going on here. Right. You know, right now. Exactly. You and know, it's, it's not time to place blame. And I feel like Pence has been doing that. And I feel like every time 45 calls it the Chinese virus, which he's done, quote unquote, accidentally a bunch of times, that is just jingoistic language to dog whistle. It's a dog our whistle. Fucking racist people but, but. here. Hey, but uh, to my Asian brothers and sisters, especially you Chinese, Japanese folks, we black people try to tell y'all, y'all got comfortable with trying to hang out with the white man so long that we told y'all he was going to turn on y'all really quickly. Yeah, and are we not forgetting the Chinese Exclusion Act that was, you know, it was only in, what, 1930-something that it, that was abolished, and um, we've had... We haven't been nice to Asian people for a long time. I mean, the Japanese internment, how long ago was that? And they were uh, Americans. Not... They were American-born people, and we put them into yeah, camps. Yeah, but you know what? So, those Japanese people got reparations for those camps. That's so true. They are. That's true. It wasn't so, enough, but it was a little. But that's the thing. I, Black I, people have no reparations. Where's I, your reparations? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, no. But, I mean, the fact of the matter, like, with this whole, with the whole epidemic, you know, I'm I'm actually enjoying America getting naked and feeling ashamed and and helpless. Yes, naked I and afraid, like America it. style. Yeah, I mean we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world, and you see how this greatness ain't nothing great about. Oh, this it's place. exactly what you've always we, said. We're weak. We are weak and soft. We are soft. We are soft like the Pillsbury Doughboy. We are a exactly. weak, soft people that just want to cry into our fucking Instagram live and be like, I just can't live without my <laughs> coffee from down the street. I just feel like I'm just lost And, and you talk about capitalism all the time, and this is, when you worship capitalism like this, you know, you're willing to see people die in, all in the name of capitalism. Mm. But here's something for those scholars out there that worship capitalism so much. A little economics 101. 
So how are you going to make money when everyone's dead? <laughs> you have to control the means of production. No, exactly. How do you make money when everybody's dead? How do you, what you are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you turn a profit? I right. mean, I mean, you can make money off the dead people, but you need workers, don't you? Yeah. And if you got the, if you got people sick, how productive are sick people at work? Yeah. Okay. All right. And all right. So that's my. Go ahead. <laughs> who's gonna grow? Who's gonna grow the food? Who's gonna? I mean, how are we gonna sustain our people? How are we how gonna keep the? Just food-wise, like not even like yes, the United States is a consumer-based economy, and we love to buy things. But I'm just talking like survival shit. Yeah. You know, food, clothing. Who's gonna, who's gonna pick your strawberries? Yeah, who's gonna pick strawberries who, now? Well, who, who's gonna as build a, your building? As a hardcore Marxist, I hate to say I told you so, but I, I, and I am enjoying the fall of capitalism. I, I mean, not enjoying. Okay, so I'm enjoying it a little, but. No, I know what you mean because I'm enjoying it as well. Yeah. I'm not enjoying death. I'm not enjoying people dying. That's terrible. And I don't want people to die. You say people going to die? No, I don't want people to die. Ever. I don't believe in war. I don't like I don't like death. I'd like everyone to live forever. But, I mean, that doesn't happen. It's the only uh, thing about being human. There are some people I want to die. I'm, you know, yeah. hey, talk about live forever. I am so into Westworld. I want to download my consciousness into a pearl and put it in a fucking hot, Dolores I, AI body. I'm going to run around in the future. <laughs> so I've been, but I've you been were saying it. something about Marxism? Oh, Marxism. No, I'm, I was just got into Westworld. Sorry. I'm coughing because oh. of weed, not because of Corona. <laughs> but um, how are you guys holding up everything? Well, everything's, I, I would say everything's great. I'm living, um, I'm definitely in the moment and having a great time during the apocalypse. It's amazing to be able to have the station open still um, so that for news and also to have like some sense of normalcy in my life. Uh, I was Jonathan's 35th birthday this week. I made some really good pot oh, cookies. Nice. Yeah. We had a distancing. We were here on, on Monday doing joke workshop and played some music and practicing social distancing. But, you know, there were four people here. We're not. I don't want, we're not, Mutiny Radio is not a place to meet, <laughs> but if I'm telling people if they've been here before in the past, and they've already, you know, then I'm, I don't have a problem with them coming back, but no new people, that's sort of one of my rules, but yeah, things, this has been amazing, I've written like 10 of what I consider really good poems, I've been really creative, and um, I'm, you know, trying to stay busy at this station, and creating a lot of podcasts, and listening to a lot of music, right? I'm just like, I've been writing a ton. The cats are good. I don't know. Life's good. Today's a beautiful day. I feel very guilty doing radio and it's like gorgeous outside. I've been walking at least a couple miles a day. Like, um, I walk, I walk to the station every day from my house so as not to take the bus to not be a vector. That's safer. I think so too. I think it's safer for everyone because again, who knows at this point who has it or not. And when you're a young health, not that I'm young, but when you're a healthy person and you have like a regular immune system, it's just the same way I've got to think of it as like herpes. Yeah, I've got fucking herpes. Now, I don't have it all the time. I only have it when I get super stressed out or I get sick and then I get a cold sore and it's like, oh, look, I have herpes. That's a virus that I carry. But that's the same thing of what's happening with the corona thing is who knows who has it and I don't want to get on the bus 
with some old lady and, you know, touch her or breathe on her and now she's going to fucking die. So I'm trying not to take the bus. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's better that you don't, um, you know, because you do have a lot of, and I, you know, the questionably health thing that you asked about earlier, you know, that's another, that's a whole other category. Because you do have a lot of questionably house people that get on the public transit. Yep. You don't know if they're infected, and they obviously don't have a place to go. They don't have health so care either, so how do we yeah. test them? Where They can't shelter in place. Nobody's saying, um, you have to keep your tents six feet apart from each other. Like, nobody's doing that right now. People are still living on the street. There's lines for the food bank today. There was no six feet social distancing in line for the food bank. It was just like every other Wednesday all the way around the corner. Everyone just standing there. So, and they're all old. They're all old people, which is crazy to me. So we're it's saying the that the most risk. vulnerable people are old people, and we've got them living on the street. We're not, they're not social distancing. They don't have any place to shelter in place. They don't have Medi-Cal or an ability to, like, People are saying don't go to the hospital because it needs to be there for people who really need it. But I don't know, man. It's you, you wouldn't want to go to the hospital right now, anyway. Oh no. I mean, no. I mean, the only places I've been to is just to the store. And yeah. like one thing I have been, and I have to say kudos to you too uh, on showing me the lie. Um, is I haven't been drinking as much. Oh, good for you. So, yeah, I mean, last week I didn't I didn't have a drink until Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, Damn, girl. And then I'm not drinking again this week. So, you know, I'm saving it for maybe the weekends or just a day a week. Sure. I've been running every almost every day, like four times a week. Killing going it. to the track and doing miles. Try to be careful what I cooking every day. Yeah, that's rad. Yeah, I've unemployment. Oh, (laughs) I know fun employment. Yeah, going on a run, getting in shape. I had I had two racer fives on um, Monday for Jonathan's birthday, and I was wasted. Two racer fives, and I was wasted, which is funny. I'm like the cheapest (laughs) date now. Because I, I, nice. And it wasn't even a pint. It was a 12 ounce. It was just like a regular old bottle, two 12 ounce IPAs. And I was like crazy. I was, I was dancing around. We were listening to music. We were, I was, I was being crazy. So I know. And that's like, I, that's the level I want to get to where it's just two. Where I'm like, woo, I'm feeling myself. Yeah. I, I, it would be nice to, instead of going from like, you know, it takes six for me, you know, I would like for it to go too because that's also less calories. Yes. Yeah. I'm, and I've been, I've been really good about that too. I've been eating. I feel a lot better. I'm like at a good weight. Everything's, I, I'm telling you, this has been the best apocalypse ever. I, I hope it doesn't last too much longer, <laughs> but I've really been having an excellent time. So, I I mean, the only drama that, I mean, like, I I do worry about my family, and, you know, we've been doing family chats, which is nice. Oh, that's cool. Um, But, you know, I don't know if I have a job to come back to. I'm not worried about that. 
I'm actually just happy to see the fall of our society. <laughs> I did not because think it was going to happen. I, I really, we've been doing this show for five years, longer maybe. <laughs> and, and we've been talking about how everything should fall apart in the apocalypse and the fall of capitalism for quite some time. And for right. it to actually happen in my lifetime... And for this to be so crazy, these shutdowns and passing laws and taking away more. Like, I thought that at 9-11 when they took away some of our, you know, civil rights um, and human rights that we have imbued to us as Americans, I thought that was crazy. But now this is going to be even no. more draconian. And it'll be interesting to see if we lean toward the realm of fascism or if we can have a more socialist-based economy that... Well, what values human ahead, life? Sorry, sorry. Oh no, it's just I just want people to be valued for for what they have to contribute, and for us to see people's contributions as such. In that, is this important? Is is free speech and radio important? Is it important to be able to talk about these issues? Is it is it important to have musicians and singers and artists and or do we just not give a fuck? And does it all have to do with everything being online and everything is distanced and we're all just little AI bots? I don't know. But I, I, I feel as if, you know, we're seeing the reckoning of the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And I, I hope, you know, it's funny, you know, with the whole stimulus package thing, you know, how socialism, just like several weeks ago, we they were just talking about how socialism is so scary, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. What do you think that stimulus package is, folks? Yeah, Andrew Yang, eat your heart out. It's fucking Yang Gang yeah. all over the place. Like, where I mean, is where is he? Why can't they bring Andrew Yang back and be like, hey, bro, remember when you had that total awesome way to make this happen? Can we just put that in place? Because um, he had the well, plan. Well, unfortunately, he's not an elected official. No, I know. <laughs> well, but does it matter? I, mean, I say let's put together the smartest think tanks and the best people and let's figure this shit out. Because... What is, what's it going to be like when we're back? I mean, is there ever going to be stand-up comedy again? Are we ever going to be able to group in, you know, groups of larger than 10 people? Are we going to be able to congregate? When, when does that well, get lifted? I, I feel, well, it, 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 it got extended to May. But yeah. here's the problem. This goes back to what I was saying earlier, where you have these idiots going around, not, not self-quarantining. Right. And they're going around doing stupid shit, like I told you, the lady coughing on the vegetables. And, you know, you just had a uh, – down in SoCal over the weekend, you just had um, these people throwing, like, a, a one-year-old party, and the police had to break it up because it was, like, f over 50 people. Oh, my and God. Then, <laughs> and then here, they just they just closed the state parks because I was – we were guilty of this, but uh, – the follow the other week, you know, we went for a hike, but a lot of the the state parks they were crowded with people. Yeah, yeah, Baker so Beach. They had, yeah, so Governor Newsom had to uh, close the state parks. Wow. Because a lot, some some people are not following directions. So the if we if we get do get get the self quarantine out of the way, we'll be able to come out. Right. But you got to, and then the scary thing is these fucking idiots that aren't following directions by self-quarantining 
are the ones that are going to get us closer to martial law. And that's what we don't want. <laughs> yeah, we want it. Don't say that word. I feel like that, though, that ML word, and people keep saying it, it's like Beetlejuice. You can't say it three times. It's like Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, right. Don't say it three times, otherwise it's going to happen. Don't do it. I'm so th- – th- my biggest fears, and I – I haven't been real f- fearful. I've been trying to like live in the moment and be like, every moment is joy. Um, but my <laughs> my future fear is that we get tested and they, y- whether we're sick or not, and then they say, you've got it, and then they quarantine us in some weird FEMA camp, and then they control us, or they somehow put us in jail, or there's some draconian law that you can't be out at a certain time, and they get you, and they put you somewhere, and then how do you get home, and what about my cats? I'm I'm just scared about Well, being some places are up. having like I think we have a curfew. I think we have an eleven o'clock curfew. Do I know we? some places already are putting putting in curfews. Um but what what we need to be out for? Ain't nothing open. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean I've been I mean, I've been here I've been back and forth to the station and trying to do as much time as I can here just to you know, I don't know, create and feel like I'm doing are you, something. Are you are you are you at the station at eleven o'clock though? At night? Um, sometimes, not really, yeah. not lately. No, I've kind of been, if there's an 8 to 10 open, I usually leave at 10. Yeah, there's no reason. Yeah, see? And, the, and they're saying now that the um, the corner store, anything lower, anything smaller than 5,000 5, square feet is going to be closed at 6 o'clock. So there's going to be no more like go into the bodega to get more beers. Everyone's going to have to prepare with their, you know, sort of stash for the night or whatever. Yeah, and that's what I've been doing, you know, because like, um, the small stores, like you said, are going to be closed at 6 p.m., and your big stores like Safeway and Food Co. and Trader Joe's close at 8. Yeah, but- so that's the scary thing is that viruses mutate, and so the people that kind of get this virus, it gets inside their bodies, it mutates a little, some people die. Well, the next wave is going to happen in, like, December or some shit because it's it's another cold that people can get. It's not a cold. It's a virus, but it's another Blue sickness season. that people can contract. And and that would be scary to have a second to have a second wave and what that would mean because it's a different it's like similar to um, like last um, September there was a cold that went through San Francisco and I got the first wave of it I was one of the first people to get sick in September because I'd ride the bus and touch my face and my hands and everything and bite my nails and so I got sick and then I got better and then at the mid end of October I got it again because I got the second round of it you know after it had mutated through everybody. So, yeah. yeah. And that's just I a mean, cold. That's just the way diseases work in a closed system being San Francisco. And it's just like a regular sniffles, you know, whereas this is like can't breathe, die shit. Right. And I think you're absolutely right about the fact that the second wave would be worse because you, the first wave, you're still not going to have everyone that's tested. Right. And then you're still going to have some ignorant pieces of shit who aren't going to want to get tested and still think it's a hoax. And then they'll be the outbreak monkey. Yeah. And spread it to the second wave. Sure. Oh, and by the way, when that second wave happens, that's around the election. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! What if so, what if a second wave comes? But here's, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What if no, a no, second no, wave I'll, comes, I'll, and uh-huh. it's during the election, and no one can actually vote because we can't leave our houses? Do you know, like where where it becomes where we can't. We can't change horses. We we can't elect anyone new because we can't leave our houses. That would be crazy. We'd have to figure well, out a whole new way about, of voting. Well, they're talking about mail-in ballots, but of oh. course the Republicans don't like that. 
you know, because the only way Republicans win is cheating anyway. Sure. Um, but they are talking about doing the mail-in. But here's, here's something else to think about, too. So for those non-believers, and a lot of them are white-wing, I mean right-wing, uh, what there's it, can you hear me okay yeah, okay. yeah you can hear me oh um what if it just mostly hits a lot of the trump supporters <laughs> i mean seriously because they're the ones that are still thinking that it's a conspiracy theory it's a hoax they don't believe in it you still have a lot of these pastors at these mega churches who are having churches with 500 people are they still doing that i thought they closed down all the churches except for church's chicken no they're 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 no they they're they're thinking that oh it's god's will or like it's a hoax the police one of the uh, one of the pastors in some florida mega church was arrested because they had 500 parishioners i am amazed by that 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 they would say it's faith and god will save you come to church don't worry don't worry about science. Don't worry. Don't worry about science. It's fine. Come come to church. Let's all congregate together. Let's all cough on each other and pray to Jesus. But you know what that's about? It ain't, it ain't about no God or religion. They need those tithes, baby. Right. Yeah, because how does the church live without its 501c3 tax-deductible donations every month, every week? Yeah. Pastor need to pay for that jet so wow. he can get out of here. Yeah, hey, everybody, don't forget to tithe to your local mutinyradio.fm. We've got a GoFundMe on the side of our website. Also, you can just Venmo me money at Mutiny Radio. That would be helpful. (laughs) We're going to keep it alive. We're going to keep free speech alive here in the mission. But, yeah, the corona, this is all – I'm really excited to see how things shake out, and I'm still – I'm not a naysayer or a non-believer, but I'm having the most fun. So I'm just – my life doesn't feel that much different. So I'm sort of maybe relishing in the concept that maybe my life was okay before and it still is okay. Everything's fine. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm just using this as a time of reflection and excuse me, hopefully like Sam Cook said, a change going to come, but I doubt it. Because I don't have faith in the, in the society, but you know, it, it gives you know. I I just it it actually shows me how humanity is so hard for sir for a lot of people, and that's sad. Yeah, you know. Well, I find it very interesting that so many people have gotten the fear inside them. The fear is in their veins now because they're facing the concept of their own mortality. I scream into the existential void and wonder about my life and its worth all the time. Like, I'm constantly thinking about death. So this, at this time, I'm like, eh, it's not too different. I, I've been sort of philosophically <laughs> minded for a while, so I'm not, I'm not too freaked out about it. And if this fucking virus takes me down, I've had a great 45 years. I've had a great, I've had a fucking rad time. So I'm not too bummed. I've I've left a lot of podcasts. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a, we're all just a blip on this, you know, mortal coil. And if I if this is my, my time, thing, so be it. I've had a, I, I'm I'm not going to lament it. It was great. My thing is this: if you play it smart, 
you know, you and and you use your critical thinking skills and common sense, there's a way to avoid it. Like yeah. I do agree with practicing the social distancing. Like even when I'm standing in line at the grocery store or if I'm in the grocery store, I am now aware. I'm like, motherfucker, you are like five feet. It's we're we're truly in a consent based uh, consent based society now. Like, if you want to come more than six feet to you want to come closer than six feet to me, better you got ask for my written consent, tri folded papers in my back pocket. (laughs) I'm hungry. I'm gonna cook me some food now. And I will catch up with you. Yeah, soon. Hey, next you're the best. Thank you so much for calling in, Latoya. You, I miss you so much, and all of this will be over. I miss we you will, too. we will oh, party together I someday did an soon. Hour. You did. You're amazing. Thank you so much. No, you're amazing. Yay! Practice social distancing, you assholes, and smoke a lot of pot. Yeah, smoke That's a lot of I'm pot. Doing. Social distancing. Thank and you so it. much, Sheriff of Truth. Truth, Sheriff of Truth. I'm going to play a little song by America. I don't know if you know the band. They did the soundtrack to The Last Unicorn. But this isn't this isn't that song. This is going to be uh, Sister Golden Hair. Here we go. I tried to make it Sunday, but I got so damn depressed that I set my sights on Monday and I got myself undressed. I ain't ready for the altar, but I do agree there's times when a woman sure can be a friend of mine.
Wait till you get down to your little toe, then you can holler. <laughs> <laughs>
too high for you. <laughs> All right. It's the AltaCast here on Mutiny Radio, playing some music. Got to talk to Latoya, the Sheriff of Truth, about what's going on in the world. That was exciting and wonderful to hear her voice, the dulcet tones of her sparkling voice. And you're listening to AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm. Feel free to give me some money. Just press that donate button. Help out Mutiny Radio Free Speech, keeping things alive here in the mission. Keeping things together. Keeping my act together. How are you keeping yourself together? 415-550-0511. At 2 o'clock, I have calling in the amazing, the hilarious Alyssa Westerlund. Big, big fan of hers and everything she does. A created creative talent individual I've known for many years I enjoy her so we uh, we I hate it's so stupid when I say we and it's just me uh, I'm gonna play some more music that I like I always really enjoyed the psychedelic furs not just because it's pretty in pink but of course because it's pretty in pink uh, and then the others <laughs>
Well, there was a little rock block of Psychedelic First for you, because I like that band. Uh, this is the AltaCast. This is the last vestiges of the AltaCast. Give me a call, 415-550-0511. If you have anything to say, I'd love to hear it. Cool. Had a call from LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. Thank you so much for calling in. My co-host, I miss her. I miss her so much. When this is over, we're going to party so hard. Oh, I can't wait to see all my friends again. I miss my friends. I miss everybody at Benders. I miss all the stand-up comedians. I never thought that I would have such deep feelings for Cody Abe. <laughs> Shout out to the, all the boys that used to hang out here, and I miss them. Uh, Kelly Evans and Jack Ferguson. And never thought that I'd say, Kyle Morrissey, it'd be nice to see your face. But it would. Oh, I can't wait till the punchline is open again, and everyone's going to have new jokes, and everything's going to be okay, right? Right, MutinyRadio.fm listener. Make everything okay. Give me some money. Mutiny Radio on Venmo. Or go fund me. For the love of God, keep free speech alive. I'm down here at the corner of 21st and Florida, 2781. Don't come down. Stay at home. Give me a call, though, 415-550-0511. I've had the joy and pleasure of speaking to Elizabeth Stanton, a comedian out of British Columbia, yesterday. She called in for a while. We've had some stalwart mutinyradio.fmers that have been coming in, hanging out. Only because they were here before, though. So, don't be a vector. I'm not taking the bus. I'm walking. Also, it's a beautiful day. It's almost sacrilegious to do radio on a day like this. And I'm looking out and seeing how beautifully blue and perfect the sky is. And wishing I had a swimming pool to wear a bikini at and lay out and get some sun. But I'm here at mutinyradio.fm hanging out. No symptoms. It's the first of April. April Fools. Any good pranks? You play any good pranks on anybody? I'm trying to come up with one. One of my good friends, Amy Cruz. Shout out. Great performance artist. Uh, and also incredible mom. And just wonderful artist in general. She used to have a party on April Fools. And uh, one year, she made cupcakes. But they weren't cupcakes. They were actually um, <laughs> meatloaf with um, dyed mashed potatoes on top. So they looked like cupcakes. And then you bit into it, and it did it taste like a cupcake? It tasted weird. And I, I thought it was made of fish, but really it was just meatloaf. This is when I had a taste, sense of taste. So do a fun prank on somebody. Make it look like chicken, but really it's dough. <laughs> I don't know. MutinyRadio.fm. This is the AltaCast. I should go back to more of that sad Corona news because I am supposed to be running a socialist news show here. Haven't I haven't had a socialist rant yet. I don't feel like ranting today. I'm too happy. I'm going to go back to this. Why, why we waited so long to give a shit. Um, 
Is there any evolution? Okay, so the instinct is. Uh, is there ever any evolutionary explanation for this instinct? People are tribalistic, given the way we evolved as a species. Tribe, tribe. We care for our in groups. From an evolutionary perspective, it was strangers who brought in diseases or threats to our communities. We're seeing an increase in altruism and solidarity because of the virus. Many of these people pulling together are highly xenophobic. People join together in their community to look after one another, and yet they're closing down borders. In the context of every pandemic outbreak, there's always an upsurge in xenophobia and racism. I think that's one of the big lessons we've not learned. I guess partly we have to look to our leaders. It takes a leader in a position that we've got to get to. Ooh. If a leader takes a position that we've got to blame someone for this, then it's going to incite racism. Wow. Trump has called COVID-19, quote, the Chinese virus and flip-flopped on how seriously Americans should take the outbreak. How much does a president's messaging influence people's actions? It's hugely important. People pick up cues about how to behave or how to feel from their leaders. If a politician appears confused or inconsistent or contradictory in their behavior, that's going to add to people's anxieties. It can make anxious people more anxious and it can cause the overall optimistic people to say, well, he doesn't even know, so I don't need to worry about it. If you don't trust your government, that can have disastrous consequences. During the Ebola outbreak in Liberia, the people who were not socially distancing were the ones who didn't trust the government's social guidelines. Trump has a vested interest in denying the scale of this pandemic. He wants the economy to go back to normal so he, he can get reelected. Is this the same kind of denial happening on an individual level? We've been asking people, why are you afraid of COVID-19? What are you afraid of? Many people are afraid of the economic fallout, that they'll lose their jobs, their mortgages, houses, and so forth. So faced with that fear, there's almost a psychological incentive for them not to feel the threat because that allows them to overcome or avoid that anxiety. So yes, people have strong personal incentives for denial, and it's easy to do that when you don't have your neighbor coughing in their apartment next door from COVID-19. It's easier to do when it's just limited to stuff you can see on the computer screen or TV. If statistics don't resonate with people, how do we convince those who are still gathering in groups to take the virus very seriously? It's helpful to get people to understand how it's in their own self-interest to adopt the particular practice. So not actually tampering with their worldview, but altering their behavior. For example, my team's surveys so, f so far show that roughly 20% of people don't intend to get the coronavirus vaccination once it exists. So lead those people to understand that they are being heroes for their own communities and keeping their grandparents alive by getting vaccinated. Wow. So that was why we waited so long to take the coronavirus seriously. A psychologist explains why people have spilled onto bar patios when they should have been inside. That was by Angelina Chaplin and she was interviewing a psychologist, clinical psychologist from the University of British Columbia, Stephen Taylor. Cool, interesting, wow. Scary, crazy. Mutinyradio.fm. Um, wow, this is crazy. Stabbing of an Asian American toddler and family deemed a hate crime. Oh my God. Many struggle to pay rent as first month arrives amid pandemics. Here are the stories of Americans trying to make the rent 
as the pandemic rushes through. Here, I'll read this one. This is by Jeffrey Collins. Many of those, many of those renters are without jobs. Oh, that's here's. It's the first of the month. And everybody knows the rent is due. For millions of Americans, Wednesday is the first time the landlord is knocking on the door since the coronavirus outbreak turned the economy upside down. Many of those renters are without jobs. I'm one of them. Nearly 3.3 million people in the U.S. filed for unemployment the week of March 16th, about five times the previous high in 1982. Most state and local governments are putting evictions on pause as states prepare to pay unemployment and the federal government prepares to send a stimulus checks. So for most, April's knock won't come until it's a notice to get out. But a roof over the head is one of the most basic needs in life. Without money for rent, how can the other bills get paid? And while many get a reprieve in April, eventually the rent comes due, whether or not the restaurant, plant, or construction site reopens when the COVID-19 threat lessens. Here are some of the stories of Americans trying to make the rent this month and beyond. At 21 years old, Jade Brooks pulls in her family's only full-time salary working at a hospital switchboard. Brooke's mother just lost her job in a health insurance company, a casualty of one of the, of the plummeting economy. She found part-time work at the hospital, but between them, they make only $400 weekly after taxes and insurance, Brooks said, and their rent is $1,810. During sleepless nights, Brooks worries about her eight-year-old cousin who lives with them. I don't want her to grow up in a homeless shelter, having to sleep on a bunk bed with other people, asking why we have to stand in a long line to get a room to sleep in, why we have to stand in a long line to get food, why she can't invite her friends to come over, Brooks said. It's hard to explain that to an eight-year-old. That was Michael Casey in Boston. It's a Sanchez knows she can't make her $400 rent for April. She's praying to the Virgin of Guadalupe that she doesn't kick, get kicked out of her Richmond, Virginia mobile park home. Sanchez made her money searching for and recycling scrap metal and selling tamales in a heavily Hispanic neighborhood. Fear of getting sick has stopped both income streams. A single mother of two who immigrated from Honduras to the United States 14 years ago, Sanchez's seven-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son have been eating lunches delivered to the neighborhood schools and depending on churches for other meals. I'm basically penniless, Sanchez 39 said in Spanish. She hasn't heard from the landlord about what will happen if the rent isn't paid, so she keeps praying. May she help us. May the Virgin put her love over us and help us. That's Regina Garcia Canto from Washington. Andrea Larson made $70,000 a year curating wine lists and suggesting pairings to customers at Fifth and Taylor. But the popular Nashville restaurant closed its dining area and working as a sommelier isn't something Larson can do from home. The first unemployment check was $275 for a week. Larson said she was humiliated, but applied for food stamps. I'm screwed financially, Larson said. If I do pay my rent, it's going to eat into my food money. Larson, 42, moved from the high-rise downtown apartment to a house in East Nashville four months ago. Rent was cheaper. She planned to pay off the debt and start saving. Instead, she called credit card companies and said she couldn't pay the minimum. Larson's restaurant offered a few shifts answering phones for takeout, but she figures it's not worth the risk of getting COVID-19. I do wine. No one wants to hear about wine right now, she said. They just want to chug it. Rashonda Williams was able to scrimp and use a credit card cash advances to pay the 1850 rent for April in her two-bedroom uptown apartment, uptown Chicago apartment. But the rent comes due again in 30 days. Can she afford a smaller apartment in her building if one's available? Should she move in with friends if they let her? 
April 1st isn't even here yet, and I'm already working on what I'm going to do for May 1st, April, Williams said 52. Before being laid off, she made drinks and chatted with people from around the world for 20 years as a bartender at the Palmer House Hilton Hotel in the heart of Chicago's downtown loop. Income depended on tips, and at the best of times, she'd make 70 to 100,000 annually. Now she's on unemployment for the first time and searching for work. Trina Morgan shares her Baltimore County, Maryland townhouse with her 18-year-old pregnant daughter and 18-year-old nephew. They all spend a lot more time together since Morgan was laid off March 6th at her job serving food at a hotel banquet hall. Morgan's landlord told her to take time off, take her time with the rent, but that isn't the only bill piling up. She ticks them off, car payment, car insurance, cell phone, internet, water, gas, and electricity. She's, and she always has to buy food, so tough choices are ahead, especially with until unemployment benefits kick in. Morgan, 39, has checked on getting food stamps and looked for work at stores and warehouses with no luck. She appreciates her landlord's kindness this month, but she knows he needs her rent money to pay his bills. If I don't pay the rent, it falls on him, Morgan said. We can't afford to be evicted right now, but eventually they're going to want their money. This is the last one I'll read. Bartender Luke Blaine was laid off when downtown Phoenix restaurant Fez closed, but he's not too worried about rent yet. He shares his small adobe-style home and backyard garden of tomatoes, beets, squash, radish, lettuce, and eggplants with his boyfriend, Kyle Schomer. Schomer still has his job in technology and works from home. Blaine, 30, figures unemployment will kick in. His car is paid for, and he owes little beyond a small credit card balance. Blaine credits his thrifty nature to his family. And that's whom he worries about most these days. His mother and sister are nurses in Illinois, not far from hard-hit Chicago. It's definitely nerve-wracking having your family on the front line. One more. Rakush Bailey's life had balance so important with her autism before coronavirus. She was going to college and was a part-time cafe cashier. She couldn't wait for the Special Olympics in March to run and compete in the long jump and shot put. But the virus closed the cafe, canceled the meet, and ended the community's college personal instruction. Bailey, 30, of St. Louis County, was dipping into savings for food and other necessities, so she's moved back in with her mother. She hopes it's temporary and she can get back to her apartment with its $400 monthly rent. I had to suspend my internet and cable, Bailey said at her apartment. It's tough because I'm so used to being there in my own little space. <gasps> she had to cancel her internet and she's staying in place, you poor dear. I mean that for realsies. All right. Well, this has been another successful uh, AltaCast. Thanks again to LaToya for calling in. Thanks to you for listening. Coming up at 2 o'clock, Alyssa Westerlin is going to be on Some Call Me Tim. I'm excited for that. And until then, we'll listen to some music. Thank you for listening. Donate to Mutiny Radio. Bye.